Here we go, another week ahead. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUA, and hope you're enjoying yourself on this Monday. Hard not to if you're out roaming around, or heck, if you uh, got off work early or maybe haven't worked yet today and you are enjoying what is just a picture-perfect, spectacular day. This is the th- this is the day that you'd go out and uh, skip work and play some golf. I- I'm giving you the full authority to do just that, or whatever you'd like to do outside. I don't know. Some people like to golf, some people do not, but I got to tell you, again, the golf courses are packed, and I love it. That means it's coming, folks. Golf season is about here. It may already be here. It's February. Let's go. I mean, 60-plus Uh, Somebody said it was 70 out there. Love it. Love it. So, hope you're enjoying the day. We got a lot to get to today. And, you know, I was naive enough to think, heading into what is one of the busier weeks of the year for us here, you know, I came off and, 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 you know, nobody wants to hear how hard you work, but here I go. Uh, Last week, I've been doing this about nine and a half years. Coming up on 10 in June, okay? 10 years here in Muncie, 10 years at Wolf Boom Radio. Last week was a top three busy week for me. And it was just a lot of different things colliding. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. But goodness gracious, it was a lot. And so I took a deep breath yesterday because really my my weekend started yesterday. Um, Game on Friday night, show on Saturday morning, had a uh, freelance uh, girls basketball state final to do, and we had work in between to get done yesterday. And then yesterday took a deep breath. I I don't know if you're like me, guys, but um, I I, I talked to my wife on my way home from Indianapolis on Saturday. And maybe this is just me and I'm, I'm a maniac. I don't do naps. I don't do all those different things, you know. Um, I told my wife I got home at like 1 a.m. Uh, I guess it would have been Sunday morning. And she said, man, you're going you're gonna to sleep till 11 or noon. I said, no, I will not. I was up at 9.15 um, and, and you know what? I was up at 8.30. How about that? I was up at 8.30, you know, on the phone, getting caught up until 9.15. I was up. I was ready to go. So we went out and did some things yesterday. I got a new sport coat that I need for a work function next week and got home, sat down, and I'm like, I, I, I'm beat. I'm, I, I'm beat. But we got we to gotta come back and do it all over again this week. I'm fired up for this week. Like, even if I was the littlest bit tired, which I'm not, I was a little bit earlier today, but now I'm ready to go. We got ourselves a week, ladies and gentlemen. I'm ready for it. I hope you all are too. And our coverage is going to be very vast this week, including uh, Ball State Athletics, including... The NFL Draft Combine, which I'm sure George Bremer from the Arrow Bulletin's there. So uh, Chris Ballard, Shane Steichen, the general manager and coach of the Colts, respectively, will be speaking this week. We'll get some details on their game plans. You know, the Pacers are doing their thing. They had a big win last night. I mean, a big one. Uh, college basketball is rolling. And, of course, we might have buried the lead. Might have buried the lead with high school basketball this week. I mean, it is jam-packed, it is exciting, and by the end of the week, we will be in the month of March, and we know what that means, not just in the state of Indiana, but the nation as well, it is coming, and it is coming very, very rapidly. Oh, man, if you needed a break over the weekend and back at it, here we go. So, full-on sports, and 
I got to give the credit to uh, Indy Star reporter Kyle Nedenrip that basically said on Twitter, he had a tweet that was awesome, that said, this is semi-state weather, this is not sectional weather, but we'll take it. <laughs> Agreed. Any any excuse to get outside and do it. You know, I've we've done sectional boys basketball where it has been frigid. And you're just, you, you got all the uh, equipment and you're trying to roll inside. We usually get there about two, two hours and 15 minutes before the broadcast starts. Yeah, we've been there. I don't know if it's going to be this week, knock on wood, you know, and wasn't too long ago we had snow. What was that, like three, four days ago? So take it. Don't complain. Enjoy it. Embrace it. That's what we're going to do this week. So hope you all had a fantastic weekend. We got a lot to recap on the show today. Uh, your calls are welcome at 765-287-1340. I'll say this, it was not a great weekend uh, for Ball State men's basketball and women's basketball. Both uh, tough defeats in different ways on Saturday. And uh, Ball State women's basketball now in the second place position in the Mid-American Conference. Again, you're likely going to see Toledo again. We'll break that down coming up here in a little bit. Uh, Ball State 12-2. and two. Toledo now moves up to the number one spot in the conference at 13-1. and one. Ball State men's basketball, very tough result against Eastern Michigan. Uh, they fall uh, 58-56. And with that, uh, they're still in the ninth position, so a game back of the Mid-American Conference 8 seed to get to Cleveland. And, um, you know, I um, so I was here uh, getting game prep done for the Saturday night game uh, that I had with the IHSA. A lot of fun at the girls' basketball state finals. I got to tell you, I did the Lawrence Central, Lake Central game. Lawrence Central, man, holy. <laughs> I mean, the, they've got some flat out athletes they were outstanding so much fun to watch and look it's always interesting when you do a state championship event and I've, I've been fortunate uh, to call a, a a number I think that was my 11th state championship event over the last three to four years something along those lines and it never ever gets old to be a part of that environment but it also you just you look at the resume and the path for each one of those programs to get where they got. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but Lawrence Central had one sectional championship in their entire school history, and that was it in the tournament. They were 22-48 and 48 in, since 1976, which was the first girls' basketball state final or state tournament that existed. I think it was the 48th or 49th uh, version of the girls' basketball state tournament. One. And all it takes is um, a couple of players, and in, in their case, they are really good across the board. Um, Janet Lampley, some of you may know that name. She was the Big Ten Player of the Year at Purdue back in the mid-'90s. Uh, in 93 or 94, that was. She was a part of the Final Four team for Purdue. I mean, really accomplished basketball player. She's now the head coach in her second year, and her two daughters – uh, a sophomore in Lola Lampley, a junior in Jayla Lampley. They are flat-out fantastic. They've got a, a couple of other really good players on that team, but it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to watch those two operate, and both of them are going to be heading to high Division One schools, high major schools. They are just flat-out phenomenal. And Lawrence Central could be back there next year. Anyway, a lot of fun there. Anyway, I was getting ready for that game. 
and watching the Bowl State men's basketball game. So uh, looking at it, watching it, and um, you know after the game and they fall 58-56 again. We'll break down a little bit more of the specifics of this game. Um, I ended up tuning over to the radio broadcast and hearing the comments from Michael Lewis, and it seemed like again that that moment was a. we've talked about the two steps forward one step back two steps back one step forward you could hear it in the response from Michael Lewis even to the point in the post-game press conference as well uh, that's on Bowl State All Access that I was able to watch after the fact on my way down uh, to Indianapolis Um, you know a question was asked about Cleveland and asked about the Mid-American Conference Tournament and basically was said look (laughs) we're focused on one game at a time Cleveland's far from our minds because even if we happen to get to Cleveland or whatever this team is very very far away I mean it was just one of those very crushing losses and another one down the stretch that seems to resemble a couple of other defeats that have occurred throughout this year so we'll break that down coming up here in just a matter of minutes uh the Pacers had a big win last night against the Mavericks it was a 20 plus point performance outstanding performance by the Pacers and again you know you just wonder if they're kind of turning up the notch a little bit because they've been really good out of the all-star break here um, and they are 33 and 25 have the Toronto Raptors at Gamebridge Fieldhouse tonight so another back-to-back here for the Indiana Pacers and then really the conversation that has overtaken the sports media landscape today is the philosophy on court storming And are we to a point where that is not allowed anymore? Are we to a point where it's starting to get a little bit out of hand? Is it to the point where we're going to start to shut this down? And I've got some thoughts on that because, again, this has been building. Okay, This has been building, and really, you know, you got to think about it this way. There's probably 10 to 12 opponents, I would say, every single year that fall into the category of being a court storming sort of situation and those 12 opponents are ranked in the top 25 for the most part okay maybe stretch it out to 15 if you get like a major upset and it's a ranked team against a team at the bottom of their league or whatever the case may be and it happens to be an away game for the top for the for the top 25 ranked team you know there's exceptions to certain rules but there's really it's a small group Like, in a rivalry game, if IU and Purdue were not ranked and Purdue was the underdog, which just, you know, this is all hypothetical, obviously, because Purdue is uh, worlds above IU right now. That being said, I don't know if that would rise to the court storming type of situation. And again, I haven't paid attention to how many times this happens each and every year. But again... It seems to be one certain scenario, and I'll bring. I, I want to bring up something that has stood out to me when now this has brought a conversation of if it's going to be banned or you need to stop doing it or whatever the case may be. I'm going to tell you who you should ask during those moments. Okay, the, during those moments, there's one party that is not approached, but there's always one party that is approached. In every single one of those examples. And I'll break that down for you coming up here in a little bit on the show. So we got a little bit going on. Later in the week, we will embark on the NFL Draft Combine again. Um, it, it can help you 
but a lot of the numbers that come out from these, you know what comes to mind in the NFL Draft Combine? It's the it's the guys that run the fastest that end up j- jumping up draft boards. <laughs> and oftentimes, just going to be real, it doesn't result into what they are as a football player. It just, if they jump high, if they run fast, if they have these ridiculous reps, if they're alignment or whatever the case may be, those guys jump up the draft board. I I, I kind of think it's somehow leveled out, but there's always been, you know, the John Rosses of the world, the, um, uh, oh, there's so many. <laughs> uh, John Ross is one of them, uh, the wide receiver from Washington who was, uh, you know, blazing, blazing speed. There was a wide receiver from Maryland several years back that was drafted by the Oakland Raiders. Um, oh, Darius Hayward Bay. There you go. Wasn't it Maryland, I think? You know, there's been so many different uh, guys that have done it. And, and, and quite frankly, you know, it was described today about C.J. Stroud. You don't see a lot of the top quarterbacks actually throw in the NFL Draft Combine, yet C.J. Stroud did it last year, and I think it helped him because he came out of the cognitive test and uh, the reports were it didn't go well and all these different things. He goes out there to throws, and people are like, okay, uh, this, guy can, this guy can play. There was still a little bit of back and forth prior to the draft anyway. We know that C.J. Stroud's a stud now, but – Again, the NFL Draft Combine is a little bit smoke and mirrors in a lot of ways. But it can help teams, but oftentimes we care too much about, hey, who ran the fastest, who jumped the highest, and ultimately, what are you as a football player? Come on. What what are you as a football player? So anyway, uh, we we will well see. I mean, this week really the most interesting thing from a Colts perspective is what Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen end up saying, um, and 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 what the track record, what what they're going to say about their philosophy for free agency draft, etc. Um, that is the interesting part heading in to all of it. So um, that'll be great. That'll be good stuff. So anyway, thanks to those of you joining us on Facebook Live. Outstanding. Um, outstanding. Uh, we're looking forward to breaking down a lot of things. Uh, Ball State sports comments coming up here in a little bit as we break down what happened in women's basketball, men's basketball, and, of course, uh, baseball. There's uh, men's golf that's in action right now. Uh, there's a lot of different things. Softball as well. There's so many different things going on. We'll break it all down when we come back. Power Talk on CWMUA. As always, presented by Walls Furniture and Mattress, Nebo Road and Muncie online at wallsfurniture.com. 90% of what's on the showroom floor in stock for you, 48 hours or less. That is the Walls Furniture and Mattress difference on Nebo Road right here in Muncie and online at wallsfurniture.com. Calls welcome. 765-287-1340 at Mark WMUN on Twitter or X or whatever you call it as well. A lot to react to over the weekend. We'll start here with Ball State Sports, uh, Ball State Women's Basketball. Tough result against now Mid-American Conference leading Toledo. Uh, Ball State fell 70-48 to again. This was going to kind of decide uh, who held the number one seed uh, going into the last three four games of the season and you know really early on uh, Toledo had a four-point lead after one 
ended up having an 11-point lead after two. Uh, but it, it continued to grow, the lead did. Um, in the third and fourth quarters, again, it got up to 20. Um, and then uh, Toledo continued to kind of build that advantage to a 22-point lead. It was very methodical, um, impressive win from Toledo uh, in that regard. Again, you know, I think there were some moments – here where it got interesting, but you, you fell by behind, uh, b- behind and double-figure deficits uh, pretty darn quickly. Uh, really, you shot 33% in the game, 3 for 15 from 3. Uh, they shot 45%, and um, really the three-point line wasn't a big deal. Um, the uh, free-throw line wasn't a big deal. It was uh, the, the glass. 47-26 to 26 was the advantage for Toledo over Ball State women's basketball on the boards. If you want to circle it even more specifically um, 12 to 5 on the offensive glass so that is huge in a swing game like that if you look at everything else again the shooting percentage rebound advantage um, it was just something that uh, Ball State could not overcome and those are th- th- those are areas where uh, Ball State has usually been pretty solid this season. And again, back when Ball State women's basketball defeated Toledo at home on the nationally televised game on that Sunday about four weeks ago, you, you had that small reference to, hey, they're going to have to play again. And they did. Now, Toledo's done so well since then obviously I mean they've won every game since they win the rematch and the the Northern Illinois loss hurts you uh this one certainly does as well now uh first and second seed in the tournament um you know does it really matter at the end of the day um I I think it's going to be more about the performance than it might be about the seed at this point because Ultimately, whether you're one, whether you're two, you've done very well against everybody else in the MAC. The I, I mean, you had the Northern Illinois loss. You hope you wipe that off and say, hey, that was just one of those nights where it just didn't click for us. Um, but ultimately, uh, Toledo and yourselves are going to be on opposite sides of the bracket. Kent State's a good basketball team. There's other teams there that it, it gets really interesting in, in the Mid-American Conference Tournament. We know that. Uh, lower seeds oftentimes uh, give top, uh, you know, higher seeds a run for their money. Now, what it might do is this, and I think this kind of went out the window um, in, um, in, in the loss to Northern Illinois a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it probably was going to be the case anyway, but you likely will have to win the Mid-American Conference Tournament to get to the NCAA Tournament. Um, so that is part of this as well, whereas you know earlier on, you were kind of tracking towards where you could have made an at-large bid case. Now with the last couple of weeks, maybe not. So again, it probably would have been a long shot anyway. That being said, um, you're still going to probably have to go through Toledo in the Mid-American Conference Championship game uh, there. Now, you are not uh, done with the regular season yet, obviously. Um, That was, um, you know, five games left. Now four. Uh, You have Akron, Eastern Michigan, Kent State, and Buffalo. Right now, you are a game ahead of Kent State. Um, Now, you do have to go to Kent State at the end of the season. Other than that, again, um, you know, if you got really crazy, I guess you could be knocked down to the fourth position, whatever the case may be. I I I wouldn't expect that at this point. Um, Toledo's a good basketball team like you are. Um, I think the focus of that loss will be more so on 
the Ball State performance rather than what it did to your Mid-American Conference seeding chances. Really feel that way at this point, um, and we'll see. Again, you don't want that to become an issue, um, but you know, with four games left, again, it, it, you can't just walk into those game, games and just win, but um, you would expect to perform well in the last four. You go to Cleveland, you feel good about yourselves, and see where it all lies to possibly meet up again against Toledo in the Mid-American Conference Championship game. Um, there was a lot of anticipation for that game, like there was the first one, um, and again, um, it means something, no doubt about it, but at the end of the day, um, the, the stuff here in a couple of weeks matters even more because the goal had always been um, a Mid-American Conference Championship uh, Tournament Championship, which ultimately leads you to the NCAA Tournament. So, uh, Ball State has Akron coming up on Wednesday. Um, it's a 6.30 tip from Worthen Arena. The next two matchups, Akron and then the matchup on Saturday against Eastern Michigan, are both at home for Ball State. Eastern Michigan 2-12 and in conference play, Akron 4-10. So, you're facing two of the bottom three teams in the Mid-American Conference coming up this week. So, something to kind of keep in mind as far as that is concerned. Now moving over to the men's basketball side, and that's a tough way uh, to lose. Now, there's been many tough ways that they've lost uh, here as of late. Um, Obviously, (laughs) there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, Ball State had a seven-point lead at one point. I mean, they they had another game, kind of like the Northern Illinois game, where they just flat out um, could not score the basketball. Um, it, 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 everything was tough offensively. I mean, everything was very tough offensively. But you go back uh, to points in that second half, and you know, with uh, with 12-11 to play, Jalen Anderson makes a layup. Okay, 12-11 to play. It's 47-41. By no means um, did you, um, and actually, you had a six-point lead with 9:04 to play, but. There were there were just moments in between, like that four or five minute stretch where you had a- a offensive opportunities. Okay, so um, with twelve eleven left, I think this is you know more important here. Um, you had a six point lead in that stretch before anybody scored. Davion Bailey missed a jumper. Jalen Anderson missed a three point shot. Uh, Jalen Anderson missed a jumper. Um, ben Hendricks missed a point blank lay in. Um, Davion Bailey also missed a jumper. That's a three-minute stretch where you had four or five offensive possessions where one or two of those could have stretched it to a double-figure lead. And then do you get Eastern Michigan at a point where they're pressing a little bit? Uh, The other part for, uh, you know, the second game in the last three, just some really tough decision-making on shots. Um, the the shot selection was once again a topic of conversation after the fact, and Michael Lewis kind of talked about it a little bit. And the frustration from his side also came to the fact that this is something that they've addressed, that they've talked about, and it um, it, it it came up again at this point of the year. Now, um, Ball State at the end of the game, um, they had a couple of moments where they uh, got it pretty tight. Um, Ball State had the ball with three seconds to play on a sideline out of bounds if you didn't see it. 
And at a sideline out of bounds with three seconds to play, the explanation from Michael Lewis was this. Obviously, Bashir Jihad was their first and primary option. He was kind of taken out of the, the set there. Um, he said, hey, w- want to get it to one of the guards with three seconds. We feel like that's at least three dribbles. It, it, it got to Jalen Anderson. He took one dribble and heaved it from mid midcourt where he could have had a couple of dribbles and gotten it to a, a better spot to really have a chance at the rim. And you could see the frustration at the end of the game um with you know uh, not just the crowd but the sideline and and certainly post game and the explanation and it, it kind of led to this um Michael Lewis in the post game comments on WMUN and um in the post game just talked about you know the the getting things through to his team that some of the things that had um you know been talked about this year trying to be fixed this year all of those different things that have been talked about with, with some of the things that Eastern Michigan was doing and not just this specifically but in other games as well uh, they've gone over and over and over and when they fix things sometimes they don't actually result and being fixed on the floor that some of the mistakes happen over and over again and that was a big part of the frustration and so as I mentioned earlier in in the segment before you know the question was asked in the post-game comments I think it was Kyle Smedley from the Ball State Daily News and we'll we'll ask him about this as well um, about Cleveland and about the focus of how close they are to the eighth seed and you know coach mentioned hey um, I'm focused on the next game Going to Cleveland, again, um, even if they got the eighth seed, so far away from competing with some of those top teams. Um, Some of the uh, teams in the Mid-American Conference, far away with some of the basic uh, understanding of how to attack teams and, and those sorts of things. It... It seemed like, um, and there's been different moments this season where that has been uh, the 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 talk about it uh, with 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 coach and and everything, and it happened again. And in this respect, it's been a couple of games there, but it's it's always kind of been there with this basketball team. And so, look, it it has got to be frustrating to that locker room. It has to be with. The fact of knowing that you are still on the doorstep, (laughs) with all that being said, I mean, there were things that happened ahead of you in in the conference standings, to be honest with you, that puts you almost in the exact same position that you had on Saturday. And yet it feels like it's bigger than that with this basketball team from, you know, what was said uh, about uh, some of the things that they did not execute well down the stretch and everything. And look... As a, as a competitor, now, here, here's the other thing that was said. Michael Lewis said, I'm not, I haven't quit on anything in my life. And that's been his message to the team about overcoming some of the things that have happened. But what the frustrating thing has been uh, about this team, and it feels like with the coaching staff as well, is that just when you feel like you have fixed some things just when you feel like hey you had a little bit of a breakthrough against northern illinois they aren't a very good basketball team but you found a way to to execute down the stretch in ways that you hadn't before and did the right things to navigate and win a game that maybe in a lot of cases you shouldn't have because you didn't play very well northern illinois didn't play well and and you and you found a way at the end And so kind of building off of that and transitioning to this one to have it revert back 
to some of the things that have been the conversation all year long. Just uh, the frustration mounted. No doubt about it. And so in, in, in their minds, it's like, look, why would we focus on Cleveland right now where we can't even stack two great performances back to back? We can't, you know, build off of what we have fixed and seemingly fixed to only take the step back and do the things that we've been trying to fix. It, You know, if you look at the close losses and some of the things that maybe have been self, um, you know, their mistakes. Not to foul on the three against Miami of Ohio with Darwishi Hunter hitting the step back three. Uh, you know, there were seconds on the clock. They took it from midcourt. He took three or four dribbles. Could have been fouled, you know, fouling on a three, you know, uh, to not even allow the attempt to get up. That goes to overtime. They lose. You know, um, the Ohio game where you come back from a furious rally, maybe a game you shouldn't have won based on the way you started, uh, but you had, you know, a seven, eight, nine point lead in that game for it only to evaporate with four minutes to play. Couldn't close it down in overtime. Uh, Ohio was just a little bit too much. And then, and I'm missing others, but then this one. You're up seven. You you make some really tough mistakes down the stretch, including it didn't come down to just that last play by Jalen Anderson. But, you know, almost in a microcosm of the way it's explained when you're at midcourt and you get it to a guard and, you know, the coaching staff explains, hey, you've got three dribbles. With three seconds to play to get a better look, um, he takes one dribble, heaves it from half court, half court. It's just a combination of all those factors. <clears throat> and so that's why, like, to the outside fan, you may think the thought of, hey, they're not thinking about the eighth spot in the MAC is, is not true, but I kind of believe it because they're going, there's a lot. Uh, of of teaching and learning and all those different things kind of going on with all of this and that they've got a lot of things with their execution and um, approach that if all they were focusing on was the uh, uh, you know was the standings (laughs) then you know, to, to fix all of the different things that are going, it's it's just a lot right now. I, I, that's the best way I could explain it. But I, from the explanation that I heard on the post game comments on the the Ball State Radio Network, and the post game press conference from Michael Lewis, when it was discussed about, um, you know, the the Mid American Conference tournament and getting that eight spot just to get to Cleveland, man. You know, I've heard coaches say, yeah, we're not worried about the standings and those sorts of things. But uh, with Michael Lewis and what he said, I believe it. Because it sounds like they are really just trying to get this team to understand in a couple of different ways of, uh, of execution. And that, yeah, I mean, they, they don't not want to go to Cleveland, but it's, that's, there's a lot more issues right now with that. And this was a very tough loss to an Eastern Michigan team coming in at 3-10 uh, and 10 in conference, 11 and uh, or 10-16 and 16 coming in. You know, the, the, the national power rankings had them, um, you know, very well. It was just all over not very good. And again, even though you didn't necessarily play well, you didn't necessarily shoot the ball well, all that being said, just some of the decisions 
on the floor down the stretch w- w- was it. That, 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 that was it. It, it, and it. it was just incredibly interesting to kind of watch. Um, incredibly interesting to watch. So, again, all that being said, you have an opportunity, okay? You have an opportunity still, all that being said, and you know, look, um, the focus of the team and what they're doing, all all that being said, again, the four games left, you have the opportunity to get to Cleveland. They would like to go to Cleveland, obviously. I, I mean, they would. And... You know, can they fix all of the execution details and those sorts of things? I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's only something for the coaching staff there. I, I could break it all down and say that I know and and, and do all those different things. I'm not, um, you know, but at, at the end of the day, you know, I I tr- obviously trust what was said, you know, because it was pretty consistent from interview to interview and, and, and all the different things. It was just um, in a lot of ways a releasing of uh, of some frustration. Um, and, and you could see that um, post game. You, you really, really could. Now, can they bounce back from some of those things and have a nice performance tomorrow night against a really good Central Michigan team? Then you have back to back games at home, Western and Kent State at Bowling Green. I, I just, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. That being said, yes, time is of the essence right now. Um, you're in the same position there. You have a head-to-head with Kent State, who's just ahead of you at 6-8. and eight. Um, You have the identical overall record. Like, again, um, we sound like a broken record, but the situation is almost exactly the same as it was heading into Tuesday's game last week, as it was heading into this, one, this past one on Saturday. But again, if you keep talking about it this way, um, and, and you get down to three and two and one, and your your season's going to be over. So again, we'll, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, but it, it it felt bigger than just a loss on Saturday um, because of all the frustrations that uh, we described right here. So anyway, uh, we'll uh, we'll break all that down coming up um, throughout the week as well. Uh, Ball State baseball, another. Nice win this week. What what a performance and what a start for them. I, I mean, it like I said last week, you would be surprised if it weren't Ball State uh, because they tend to just do this in non-conference play. Now, they lost to uh, Cincinnati in a 6-5 to five decision. Uh, they lost uh, in seven innings uh, to Coastal Carolina, 12-2, to two, but then they come back and beat an Illinois team 7-1 to one, um, in, in, in the three-game set uh, in Conway, South Carolina. Now they are back in action at uh, Southern Indiana coming up on Tuesday and uh, continue their non-conference play. But once again, this is what they do. I mean, this is what they do. They're four and three th- through their first seven games. Uh, they faced a former national champion in Coastal Carolina. Uh, they faced four Power Five schools, and in that stretch, have gotten a couple of wins over those four Power Five schools. I, I mean, it's just it's what they do. It, it absolutely is. And again, it feels like um, their pitching is really coming along. You know, um, they 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 felt solid about their lineup, and they always do, and they always have really good core players um, in their lineup. That being said, 
um, the pitching has been off to a really, really good start. And the variety that they've been getting, even in some of the uh, um, some of the losses, like you'd feel good about six runs against Cincinnati. You feel good about five runs against number 20 ranked Iowa. Um, you know, in the two wins uh, against Power 5 schools, you gave up one run to Michigan State and one run to Illinois. Those are really, really good numbers and really um you know you gave up four to lehigh in a win one to merrimack in a win the only time you've given up double digit runs was to coastal carolina this past saturday that's happened once in the la- in the first seven games of the season um that is a good thing so we'll see if that continues because really last year pitching was uh, the, the the biggest conversation piece of you know how you get that better and more consistent. But uh, they are certainly uh, playing very well, uh, pitching very well right now. Uh, Ball State softball uh, to kind of take a check on them. They're six and nine uh, so far this season um, and had a set. Um, over the weekend, if my schedule will load here, uh, they uh, they actually went uh, they went three and two uh, this past weekend. A couple wins over Kennesaw State, Georgia State, and then a couple losses to Georgia Tech. Uh, back in action again this weekend as they head to Richmond, Kentucky. Uh, Ball State men's golf in action as well. We'll break that down as we go through the rest of the week. All right, when we come back, we'll talk some more basketball power. Talk on CWMUN. Yes, welcome back inside the program, as always, presented in part, or brought you in part, that is, by State Farm Agent Jason May. Make sure you get all the discounts you deserve by calling Jason at 747-7100 today. Glad you're with us on the show. As always, you can call the program at 765-287-1340 at Mark WMUN on Twitter. So, it is sectional week for high school basketball, boys basketball, that is. Tomorrow night, we get our coverage kicked off with Yorktown and Centerville. If you want to do yourselves a favor, our coverage all week will be on video coverage. Uh, It's radio where things switch around a little bit uh, throughout the course of the week. So make sure uh, to uh, head to uh, ihsatv.org backslash wolfboom. And from there, you can see all the games if you have the chance to do that. Games on Tuesday and Wednesday on Blake FM, so 96.7-1029. Then over the weekend, Friday and Saturday, the games will be right here on WMUM. So that's an easy way to remember it, but we still, every single time we kind of switch stations over, uh, we still get the questions of where things will land from a radio standpoint. Uh, but Yorktown and Centerville coming up tomorrow night in sectional number 20. 24 held at Newcastle Wednesday. We are at the Greenfield Central sectional where uh, Muncie Central will face Richmond for the second time this season. That's an early one starting at 5.30 for pregame coverage. 6 o'clock is uh, the tip time from Greenfield Central High School. Friday, we have a decent idea of what's going to happen, but we will wait to release our info on that. And then, of course, Saturday is all dependent on what happens on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, But that is kind of the course of action this week. We are expecting up to five games of coverage throughout this week. 
So very much looking forward to that. Um, before we get to our last conversation of the afternoon, uh, the Pacers had a nice win last night against the Mavericks. Mavericks are a playoff team in the Western Conference, and the Pacers, all they did was beat them by 20, and Miles Turner had 33 points. So that's a pretty nice win. We'll break down the Pacers a little bit later on this week. All right, let's talk some court storming. When we come back, that'll end our conversation today. Right after this, Power Talk on CWMUN. Final segment of a Monday show, Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. Glad you're with us on the program today. Brought to you in part by Sheriff Gosselin Roofing. Your roof is there to protect your family. Make sure you're doing all you can to protect them. Sheriff Gosselin Roofing has been helping families for generations. Remember to call Pete Dahlia or look them up at worryfreeroof.com. So... It's kind of been a topic of conversation throughout uh, talk shows today, and that being uh, all of the uh, all of the stuff surrounding court storming. And really, where this started is a couple of years back. Um, I can't remember what game it was, but anyway, um, there was concern over fans storming the floor due to injuries for the opposing or even the home players to be honest with you as quickly as things happen when a a, a team gets or a ranked team gets upset on the road so what happened on Saturday was Duke number eight Duke versus Wake Forest Wake Forest upsets Duke a court storming ensues and I, I believe this is the player's name Kyle Filipowski uh, was a player for Duke, and you can see on video he gets undercut and ends up injured after a fan runs into him due to court storming. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because if you want to learn more, there's far better people that are going to speak on this than I, but I, 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 I'm going to offer maybe a solution that is kind of atypical in all of this because what I see in postgame – is the the team that is ranked that's the team that's on the road that um, is you know when they get upset uh, court storming ensues I see those coaches slash players asked about court storming after the fact what, what do you expect them to say they're not going to love it because obviously their space is invaded they have to get off the floor quickly security guards have to get there and it's mayhem how, how at the end of a loss are, is any coach, any player going to enjoy that? I fully understand it. What I would be curious about, and maybe you would get the complete opposite answer or whatever the case may be, I would be curious after a game, the reaction from the coach that just won. Now, you might get a, you know, of course we love it. Our fans enjoy it. They get to rush the floor. Maybe that's the, the answer there. But I feel like there's some coaches out there that would be completely honest about it some may say yeah you know what it's great to win but you know our play our our, our fans putting other players and opposing you know coaches and fans at risk I'm not a big fan of that out of respect to the other pro maybe you'll get that I think that that might be one of the opinions you got to get because you always see the coach of the team that's the ranked team on the road that just got beat and they have an opinion on the court storming but I think we can all agree to this Schools need to have better protocols in place because that wasn't a great sight. Whether he ran into the fan, whether he embellished it, I don't know. It's still, it's still a bad look. He undercut his knee. I mean, like, crazy things can happen, right? So 
I'd be curious to hear the opinion of the coach that just won and get that side of the story. Maybe they're already asking that coach, and maybe that's not the quote we see. I don't know. Just a thought as an alternative opinion to the whole situation. So we got a loaded week. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday. We are back with you tomorrow at 4 right here on the Talk of Monty WMUN.